We are back live after a brief stint on the road. I don't know how brief, but we were on the road quite a bit, and we'll be back on the road next week. But we are in studio tonight because we had a lot of automotive news to catch up on. There's a lot happening all the time. And joining me tonight is John Sabo, car person extraordinaire. Always has something smart to say. I'm your main host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, Cannonball Run record holder. And uh, managing the show tonight is Ethan Huffnagel, and he'll be screening your calls. And uh, Dave Thoman is in from Atlanta, and he'll be reading off your questions to us. We love Dave. He's a Porsche guy and apparently ex-radio DJ. So, Yeah. Hello. Hello. Check yeah. one. Can you tell? <laughs> He's got a great face for the, I mean, voice for the radio. Uh, yeah, so if you'd like to join us tonight... And bartender. And, yeah, he's a heck, heck of a bartender. He made us the, the Thoman Cooler, which is jalapeno it's tequila. Jalapeno tequila, Sprite Zero, and lime. Oh, I don't drink soda. Don't All forget right. the ice. Don't tell me it's in there. Um, anyway, so we're going to be talking about a number of different automotive things. That's what we talk about here. We don't talk about politics unless it's related to cars. Yes, you do. I said unless it's related to cars. Liar. Tell me one thing I've talked about political on this show that wasn't related to cars. Dude, you want me to rewind through like five episodes? You call me out. Let's hear the proof. Nope. Don't need okay. to. Don't need proof. Your listeners are proof. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Yep. Fine. See? Yep. yep. Anyway. It, anyone else? Have I ever, ever politics, All not right. car related? Right. On point, bro. Okay, point. fine. If you'd like to join us, you can do it in two ways. You can post in the comment flow of wherever you're watching live, or you can call in 216-294-4124. And if you're lucky enough to get through and get through Ethan, your question will be asked live and you can chat with us. That's right. The man, John Sabo himself. So the first topic tonight is flipping cars. And we're not talking about when you go off the track sideways and dig in and roll your car, but talking about buying new cars and flipping them. This is a age old problem, uh, probably become more, uh, more talked about in the age of the internet because everybody knows it's happening, but it's, it's been going on forever. Um, somebody orders a new car for those of you that don't know, somebody orders a new car for sticker price contracted with the dealer and then sells it for more than sticker after they get it because people want to pay over sticker and there's a lot of adm adm well adm is if the dealer does it additional do dealer it markup i mean i guess if a flipper did it you could still say it's adm additional consumer markup additional douche markup is what some people might say but anyway right so people sell it for more than sticker. And it's a hotly contentious practice. The manufacturers hate it. Uh, the consumers that want to buy it sticker or at least want to trash talk in the internet about only ever paying sticker, they hate it. Um, ironically, the people paying over sticker typically don't have any complaints. They just want the car and they're really happy to get it. In fact... In the past, the people who have paid the most money over sticker have been the happiest customers ever because they're just buying the car to buy the car. And they're like, whatever, man, I made a lot of money and I really want this car. And so it cost me 50 grand over sticker. I don't care. I get the car. 
and the most cranky people are the ones that are trying to buy for MSRP and getting mad at everybody else because they're paying more and they feel entitled that they should buy it at MSRP and they never end up buying one ever. Anyway, usually. But I don't know. I, I'm stereotyping, but that's that's what I've learned from my experience is the people who, who pay more are usually the happiest. You'd think it would be the opposite, but that's not the case. Um, that's in sports car land, though, though, a little bit. Yeah, like, you know, if a single family needs a minivan, they are charging ten grand over. Yeah, There's no, not that's, a lot of happiness in that moment. That's very true. So we're we have a phenomenon in the last couple of years because of an artificial supply chain issue that normal cars, Kias, are going for over sticker. Mm-hmm. Never would I thought I would see that day. Mm-mm. Yeah, but primarily we're talking about specialty cars because that's been going on for. Decades. Yeah, it's been going on for a little while. Yeah. So it, the manufacturers hate it, though, right? So they are constantly putting into place different policies, different, you know, legal gymnastics in order to stop flippers. Um, so anecdotally, um, and this is not to toot my own horn, this is just to lay the foundation. So back in 2006, I started ordering Porsche 997 GT3s and GT3 RSs like crazy. And Range Rovers. Um, yes, sorry. And Range Rover Vesuvius Orange Supercharged Sports. <laughs> that was the, that was the most brilliant move ever. My business like was built off of that. Um, and I wasn't doing it. You know, a, a lot of people got after me because they said, well, you're tying up the supply chain or do, doing something artificial. And I'm like, no, I honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't that. I just thought of it before you guys. Anybody, I wasn't preventing anyone from calling their dealer and putting a deposit down for GT3 RS's sticker. Anybody else could have. I was just the first guy to do it. They were happily willing to take my deposit. So I had, I don't know, probably 15 different accepted orders contracted with deposits for a 997 GT3 RS at sticker and another. 10 or 20 for regular gt3s and porsche got wind of this and they go who is this doug tabbitt person from cleveland ohio that has all these gt3s on order and why and allegedly this is all stuff told to me they had a corporate meeting in new york with their attorneys and some of their executives about me which was kind of flattering but it didn't do me any good um and basically how to deal with it. So they um, determined, even though this wasn't happening, they determined that I was exporting all the cars. That had to be the answer. He's exporting them all. And manufacturers hate exporting. Again, I don't know why they care if there's a, you know, a distribution issue. If everybody in Saudi Arabia wants GT3 RSs, then just allocate more GT3 RSs to Saudi Arabia and don't penalize the dealers or the individuals who are buying them in the U.S. or any other market and sending them to that market. But whatever, the manufacturers really care. So um, they threatened the dealers from whom I had ordered that they would pull their franchise if they sold me a car, which I thought was kind of awesome for a minute, but it cost me like 40 grand for every single deposit and contract I had canceled. So these dealers are like, well, we don't want to lose our dealership. We're just going to send your deposit back and cancel the contract. And so, well, you can't do that. That's illegal. They go, well, 
fine, sue us. And they probably took a good, I think they took 10 GT3 RS allocations away from me. The irony was that I tracked, you know, the VIN numbers and where those cars came from. And half of them just ended up going to other people who bought one car who might have been a Porsche customer. They were an attorney. They were whatever. They didn't intend to be a flipper, but they put them on eBay as soon as they got them. So they didn't stop the flipping. That was the long and short of it. They just stopped me from doing it in mass. They just spread it out among their customers. So the flipping happened no matter what, because I wasn't causing the market to go over sticker. The market was causing the market. The, the, the buyers were causing the market. But regardless, they really, really didn't like it. And one of the Porsche regional representatives called me on the phone to try to trip me up. He was pretending to be a buyer for one of these cars. And I knew his name. I knew what he was doing. And I basically just said, why do you care? Because he said, well, it's, it's immoral. It's unethical for you to do this. We don't believe that anybody other than a Porsche dealer should be selling Porsches. I'm like, that's kind of ridiculous trying to control the market. Um, and I just told him, I said, listen, I'm just fixing your distribution and price issues. If you allocated all your cars to Miami and New York and Los Angeles and whatever overseas countries I'm allegedly shipping them to and jacked up the price 50 grand, I'd be out of business and you wouldn't be making this phone call and there wouldn't be this debate and you guys wouldn't be breaking all sorts of laws by trying to shut me down. And this would be really simple. But instead, you're trying to play this high and mighty card by picking a sticker price that's way below what the market will pay and then getting mad when people sell it for over sticker. So that's my background in flipping. And that's kind of where my perspective comes from on this. I'm a free market guy, right? It's supply and demand. If somebody's willing to pay over sticker, it's not the flipper's fault or the dealer's fault for charging it. It's the fact that the buyer will pay it. Sabo? Hello? Hello. Are you done? I'm done. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Uh, What's your thoughts on that? Stop looking at your no, phone. No, Spence just texted me. He says my beard looks extra gray today. Thanks, buddy. Is Spence smooth today or not? I don't know. I gotta turn the AC down in here. Whew. Seventy-seven degrees. Yikes. Yo. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Glad I have a Thoman cooler. All right, Sabo. Yes. Hi. Your take on flipping? I mean. In regards to... Okay. In generality or... In generality. But more specifically, the reason this has become a talked about item again is because General Motors did two things in the past couple weeks. Mm -hmm. One, they offered customers who were buying a new Z06, which is like a hundred grand base MSRP. Mm -hmm. They're going for 50 grand plus all Easy. day long over Easy. sticker. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. People are happy to pay right now from what I have been paying attention to. They're happy to pay 20 to 30 over. Yeah. I think lined up for that. Yeah. Yeah. But then there, there are people, you know, just chiding these, uh, you know, getting really angry at these dealers for charging ADM as if they have a right to buy it at sticker. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't have a right to do it at sticker if there's 50 other people behind you that'll pay 25 well, grand more than you. What is manufacturer suggested retail price? That's something people don't get. 
And the same guys who are saying that they should have a right to buy it at sticker are the are the guys that if they're buying a Chevy Equinox or whatever, they want it at ten grand below sticker minus rebates minus whatever. Because if the market, you know, nobody ever pays sticker for a, a commuter car. The past couple of years, notwithstanding. Sure, sure. So they want it both ways. They want a discount when the market demands it, but they don't want to pay over sticker if the market demands it. Right. All of a sudden, it's an ethical issue, and the dealers and the flippers are just. I mean, it's the, the customer can choose ever. not to buy a car at that point. I mean, that's you know the logical. I mean, if you're not willing to pay ten grand over, don't buy the car. I mean, some of it is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, a lot of these customers are demanding ten thousand dollars more than what their trade should be worth. So it, there is a little bit of a checks and balance there, a little bit. Like you know, you can take. I mean, I just dealt with this. I mean, it's a Pacifica minivan, right? With two accidents, fifty thousand miles, and for some reason, still worth like thirty-two grand. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa! Like three years ago, that could be down to fifteen, twenty thousand dollar car. Yeah. But people are lining up to get them because there is no dealer supply either. So, like I said, if you need a vehicle, if you own a company that has trucks on the road that you know if you don't have wheels rolling you're not making money i mean you pay what you have to even though it's still kind of a bummer now if you have a good relationship with a ford dealer or a chevy dealer and you've bought in cars off them for 20 years you're going to probably pay msrp or maybe some supplier discount but you know there, there's no invoice anymore they don't need to do that yeah yeah but the- which is kind of okay i mean if we all get used to just paying sticker price, I mean, it's fine. It's just fine. Fix, fix the price. Yeah. 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 Or make more cars. I mean, yeah. which we know is a problem right now for many, many. But the, the funny thing is, is people, people only want to fix price if it benefits them. When Ford announced they were going to the fixed price model, people were up in arms and, right. and you know, doing online ordering, people were up in arms because they're like, well, I want to, I want to go into a dealer and negotiate, which is stupid. That's like, <laughs> that is the oldest, like, that has gone the way of the dodo bird. Like, the whole dealer negotiation thing, that is, that should have gone away 20 years ago. Like, well, dodo bird did. I mean, you don't negotiate on a gallon of milk. Why would you on a car? Uh, anyway. Um, but the, the, the two main things that we're talking about, the, the two reasons this is back in the, the limelight again, is... General Motors is offering customers who order a Z06 and keep it for a year. They're giving them five grand, not cash in like dealer cash, like free oil changes, t-shirts. I don't know. I don't know how to spend five grand at a Chevy dealer. New balance. Shorts. (laughs) I like Corvettes. I just, I I like to play with it. It's it's all good. Uh, Do they sell Dr. Scholl's chiropractic insoles at... Hey man, dude, GM I'm getting dealers. old. I'm ready. I'm ready for my New Balance. And <laughs> I'm just, we gotta make the stereotype jokes. If you if we can joke about Mustangs driving into crowds, we can joke about boomers driving. Corvettes. Dude, Mustangs are it's off on. now, dude. Now it's all Chargers and Challengers. It's the only stereotypes we can't get canceled for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other piece of news, right? So five grand if you keep your car for a year, which one is not going to stop anyone from flipping for fifty k profit. No. 
That's the dumbest offer ever. So you never get to buy a Chevy again. Oh, hey. oh my gosh. Dude, but the day you need a pickup truck, they have one on the I'll lot. I'll have my mom order they one. Will, nah, they'll sell you a car. Yeah, they'll sell you. Porsche, can, Porsche sold me cars, and I've been on the blacklist for 15 years under like four different names. Yeah. Um, they they were begging me to order a 918 when they came out because they couldn't sell well, it. Oh, yeah. Ha- they sold 50% right away, and the other 50%, they got nervous. Yeah. So the second piece of news, and this is probably more of a discussion point, is that GM announced that they would void the warranty on any Hummer EV, Corvette Z06, or like, I don't know, Denali Suburban or something. There there are three high-demand cars that were flipped while they were still in the warranty period or within a year or two years or something like that. Um, So this has raised a lot of debate. uh, One, because of the Magnuson-Moss Warranty Act, which lays out, it it was a result of a lawsuit decades ago, but it lays out standards that manufacturers have to abide by in terms of their factory warranty. And one of those standards, I believe, and again, I'm not an attorney, so like we have to be really careful here, but one of those standards is that you cannot void it for, you know, the car sold. You can't make it non-transferable. The warranty follows the car. Now, I think the manufacturers are saying that because they're having people sign an agreement, then it's legal. And allegedly, Hyundai does this too. Hyundai's warranties, their 100,000-mile warranties are non-transferable, which is news to me because I've never been interested in buying a Hyundai in my life and probably never will be. But apparently, that's holding up. But I also know, based on what Porsche tried to do, is that manufacturers will violate the law all the time and wait for somebody to sue them. So I consulted with an antitrust law firm regarding what Porsche did to me. And they said Porsche 100% violated antitrust laws with this. And they pointed me to somebody who had sued Ferrari for the same thing, and Ferrari settled out of court because they didn't want, you know, public, you know, essentially a precedent or case law and they didn't want the bad press, uh, but the guy got a settlement. And the the firm told me that if this gets to court, you will win, but Porsche will turn your life upside down, try to outspend you, do everything they can to make your life miserable such that it doesn't get there. And they have the money to do it, and they have the high-powered attorneys to do it. And I decided that I just didn't want to spend the next three, four years of my life in court. It wasn't worth it. Um. But that's what Porsche was banking on. They were bullying me. And there was somebody else that chimed in regarding Mercedes when we were talking about this Z06 thing and and GM voiding the warranties. And they said, and they couldn't talk about details because, again, they reached a settlement, so they can't say anything. But they sued Mercedes for the exact same thing and quote-unquote won. They got a settlement. But because they didn't take it all the way to get a, a, a judgment, there's no case law. But settlements have been reached, and these manufacturers do violate the law all the time. So I don't know if anyone's actually going to take GM to court on this, but I feel like it's a, it's a... They will. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people drooling right now, ready for that. Yeah, there's no, there's no way that can hold up. I don't think. Well, because there's some guys that just they want a car for six months. They don't intend to flip it. I mean, the yeah. profit is a nice byproduct, but they just need to take a page out of Ferrari's book and just lease it. If you want to protect title, that's what doesn't you got to do. That doesn't work. They did that with a Ferrari F50 in '95. Right. They did a two-year mandatory lease, but that backfired because people sued. Again, I'm not an attorney. I just know what I've read. People sued and said, well, a lien holder cannot refuse a payoff. So if I want to pay off my lease or pay off my loan, a lien holder can't say, nope, sorry, you have to stay in this contract. We won't accept your payoff. So guys would pay it off and they own their F50 and they could still flip it. So that doesn't work. I mean, capitalism is a really tough thing to stop. I mean, here. Yeah. But they're trying. Yeah, they're trying because they just they're trying to protect. Well, they also they're also getting a lot of press out of it too. I mean, you know, the no press is bad press. I mean, they're staying relevant. You know, they can't they haven't delivered a single car yet, but they keep talking about it. So I mean, it's 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 there. It's present. But do people need to talk about a car that's sold out for the that's, next five years? Yeah, but that's the that's the world we live in. You know, just talk about it over and over until you know. You, you know, by the time the Z06 is released, there's a handful of people that are like already through their head. And they're like, I don't even, I mentally owned it already. I've mentally sold it already. I'm kind of good. That's me. <laughs> I've already <laughs> sold my Z06 in my head for $100,000 profit. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't cash that check. Um. So it's interesting you said, so you're talking about capitalism. You mentioned the lease. So they... Did that? Lexus did that with the LFA also. Mm-hmm. But nobody cared about that because the Lexus LFA wasn't in demand. And it depreciated the second they bought it at that point. Right. So yeah. they put everybody into a forced lease, but it was almost a blessing for some guys because they're like, oh, sweet, I have this fixed residual on this half a million dollar Lexus that right. nobody wants. I mean, that was like the Lexus LFA was like the Volkswagen Phaeton. Like it was just, it was way overpriced for that mark and people didn't start caring about it until way way later but you know again it's nobody cared about the force lease because the lfas didn't sell over sticker right so i mean there's i mean again there's a story if you dig hard enough on the internet i mean again this is they make this story it's not true but it's true the fact there's still some lfas that are untitled in dealers names like they're sitting in showrooms, they own them. They're untitled, but they're just owned by the principal. Mm-hmm. They just bought the car and kept it. It's not like hasn't been for sale since it was available. It was just in the dealership's private collection. But there's the, always an article that pops up saying there's 50 unsold LFAs somewhere in the U.S. But you know, you show up with a million dollars, you can have it. I'm sure. Okay, so that that begs a good question. I don't know if it's good, but it's my question. So Lexus still didn't want people selling LFAs brand new for over sticker, right? They put everybody into these lease contracts and said, don't sell it for two years. Uh Don't sell it for over sticker. Now, 10 years later, dealers are selling them for double what sticker price is, right? So technically that's an ADM. Uh Why doesn't the manufacturer care about it now? Why do they only care about it within a year 
of when they sell the car? I mean, you want me to answer that? Or are you just talking? I, don't, I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but I, I'm... Go ahead. Why... Okay, Devin says that it's because the manufacturer thinks that they're going to sell the car in the first year and get more money for it. But the manufacturer doesn't. The manufacturer sets a sticker price, and they're trying to enforce that everybody buys and sells it for sticker, and nobody makes money on it. So it's not that they're missing out on profit, because if they're concerned about missing out on profit, they just raise their price. A lot of people, can't, they can afford the car, but they can't afford the car with the ADM. So they get upset because, you know, I work my ass off my whole life and I want a hundred thousand dollar Corvette. So what? And now hey, just let me finish. I didn't say that I didn't say they're right. I'm just saying now it's like a hundred fifty thousand dollar Corvette takes it to another level. And they can't get it, so they're irritated because I mean whatever, you're in the business. You know a lot of guys that are I don't care, car guys, Corvette guys, Mustang, whatever you want to call them, right? Like when the Mustang came out and the G T five hundred popped out there was ADMs on that. Nobody really complained because the car was sixty-five grand for a GT three hundred and fifty, and they're getting seventy-five. It didn't hurt some of those buyers. Were they happy about it? Absolutely not. Then the GT five hundred comes out. The whole market cools down. The cars are under sticker. Then two thousand twenty happens, and the market starts to grow. GT five hundreds. If you want a heritage car, I mean, those things are selling for like. 150, 175,000. I'm not getting in line to pay 175 grand for a Mustang. You know how much I like them. Back to what you said that I already forgot. This is a Thoman cooler kicking in already. Nope, it's old age. Um, yeah, well, I forgot. We We're have the old age. <laughs> We're going to a commercial to thank our sponsors. All right. Thumb and cooler. Thank you. <laughs> Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, your wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations and individuals. BoxCast is so easy, we're broadcasting this from a phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. Again, it's switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. Nathan's Detailing is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Nathan's Detailing is a company in Cleveland, Ohio that provides mobile detailing services for individuals and dealerships. They also offer PPF and ceramic coating installations. With over 800 Google reviews and an impressive 4.9 star rating, Nathan's Detailing is the go-to shop for all of your detailing and protection needs. With Nathan's, convenience is key. Their mobile detailing technicians bring the power, water, and supplies to your home or work and detail your car on site. Check out the link in our description for free interior fabric protection or leather conditioning with your purchase. At Nathan's Detailing, this smiles for you. That's a good one. All right, we are back live here with John Sabo and Dave 
Thoman reading the questions off, and we are talking about, well, right now we're talking about flipping cars, and I'm not talking about losing control, but uh, selling a car for profit. If you'd like to call in, you can join us, 216-294-4124, or post your question in the comment flow of wherever you are watching live. So before we get back into this debate about flipping, it's kind of a one-sided debate because Sabo and I feel the same way but if you'd like to add a side to that you certainly can so let's go to some questions dave what do you got for us all right well we're going to stay on topic here because uh actually i have a question you said that ford did um price fixing and when was that roughly what year so they they haven't done it yet they're saying that with ford said with their evs going forward they're going to do online ordering for fixed price Okay. They're going to turn into a delivery center instead of a dealership. Similar to Tesla. Which is up in arms in in 2022, right? But if we go back to the early to mid-90s, who was automatically, no matter what you came in with, doesn't matter, you paid the price. Saturn. Mm -hmm. Remember? Yeah. And everyone just said, this is the price of the car, and people Mm -hmm. accepted it. Well, that was cheap. also because it was eight grand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good point. That's 30 yeah. years ago. I, wor- right? I yeah. worked at a Saturn eight dealership. Grand, yeah, yeah. Was every, cheap. every sixth key was the same. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> like, I know. I worked there. Yeah. I, wor- I worked there. How many times they yeah. said, like, hey, John, go pick up, go get the white Saturn on the back? And like, there was no number on it. So I pulled up the wrong car multiple times with the right key. Right. Right. Well, because they weren't worried about anybody stealing one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of good questions, and one of the ones that just recently came up is uh, Philly George, and he says, as long as people are willing to pay what the seller is willing to sell for, what are you going to do? Boom, that's what we just said. Yeah. Complain yeah. about it. Yeah. Right. You well, pay it, or you just do I it? Mean, again, well, but that goes back to what you were saying, and the, I remembered it. I'll forget it again, so... Hurry up and get it out. Get it out. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the guys who complain because they wanted to buy it for 100k but couldn't afford the the Z06 for 150, mm-hmm. and it goes back to an entitlement mentality, and that's how a lot of these guys who wear New Balance are, right? It's like, well, I'm on a fixed income, I deserve to buy this for 100k because I've bought Corvettes all my life, and it's not fair that some dealer is going to charge 50 grand because they're greedy and ripped me off. And it's like, no. It would be cool if they did like title search. And they said, oh, dude, you've owned 20 Corvettes in the last 30 years. Fine. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll pick. But you know what would happen? That dude would get a Z06 and I would find it on eBay the next day. Yeah. Or, well, Ferrari, yeah. So Ferrari does it. Um, mm-hmm. Devin's chiming in. Ferrari does that. But a lot of guys then just went out and bought a bunch of used Ferraris in order to appear. Yeah. Like it, it's had the. Again, the free market took over. The guys who had enough money to pay fifty grand over sticker have enough money to go out and buy enough customers to be a quote unquote loyal client, such that they quote unquote deserve to buy it. If but you wait no long deserving. enough, if you wait long enough, it'll come back to reality. There you go. So either way, it's supply and demand. So people are willing to pay more because there's not enough of them. Right. So they're going to pay whatever they want right. to pay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's capitalism. 100%. So why doesn't the manufacturer just raise the price? I don't have a clue. If, why if they the next, angry? If the next GT3 RS doesn't start at 225 to 250 they're just leaving all their own. They're just giving money away. I, th- I think... I may have an answer. I think it's because... <laughs> 
No, seriously. No, I, just, I, I, no, I, I, I really don't I hear know why coming they out of your do ears. that. <laughs> I got screwed out of like 500 grand because Porsche allegedly violated antitrust laws to shut me down. Okay. There's a little, sm- I'm a little sensitive to this topic, but I believe honestly in the free market. So maybe it's because uh, dealers are scared of, let's say they price the Z06 at 150K. And then after the initial demand wears off after two years, they have to start discounting it. it goes and that's back a to bad look for them. 18, 19. And they don't want to discount cars. So they're pricing them where they think they can sell them for the entire five, six, eight year run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And they also think that flippers are going to ruin the market, even though that's not the case. Sure. But I mean, you could look in the history of like the Nissan GTR. They did like a, they did like yeah okay, but they did a ten grand price bump on those MSRP, one year after the launch, and you know I mean, I mean that that's that's a good example from like two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. After that, the prices started to get high and the production went really low, so it didn't really yeah, it's it becomes a bad example at that point. No, I think that's a good example because Nissan just said, all right, well we're just gonna well now now it needs, we want all Nismo the party GTR's for ourselves twenty five exactly. Yeah. And they only make 20 of them a year, so... But nobody's really... I sold a crap ton of GTRs over sticker when they were 70 grand. Once this, they stickered at 90 to 100, I said, man, there's no room anymore. No, no. So the manufacturer made all the money. They, they cured their own problem. All right, so another question. We'll keep in the theme of value, right? So, Ruslan, hello, I'm a lifelong fan Lifetime fan. Lifetime hope, fan. Yeah, lifetime. Is this dude three lifelong. years old? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I live in Ohio myself and hope to see you at events in the future. I have just one simple question. If you imported a Porsche, uh, <laughs> <laughs> over, <laughs> overseas, how much value would it lose on sale compared to the same U.S. vehicle? I got this question. Go for it. It's just gray market. Right. You go back 10 years, gray market was about 20% deduction. Um, now, gray market is flat. The only thing it's going to cost you is the import, the heavy shipping, and you'll, you know, again, but when the car gets here and if it's a good car and it's federalized, it's the value doesn't really change between gray market and U.S. value cars. I disagree. I don't. On anything 10 years or less... It absolutely does. Yeah, but that doesn't even those Canadian aren't legal, cars. But those aren't legal, no, though. but but they're federalized. But he's talking about again. I'm thinking Overseas. like classic car. Yeah. Sure. I'm not talking about somebody bringing over a Canadian. You know. No. Well, let let's answer the question in its entirety then, right? So if you if you bring if you have a euro, no, no, like, no, it's fine, it's fine. It, it, it's a two part question. So. It is a two part question. So take the so second part. If you have a a euro like a 1980s Ferrari or Porsche now, that's a euro. It's more valuable than a U.S. car because it didn't have as stringent emissions. They're more powerful. Like, it's a better car. I still think it's the same, but sure. Depends on the car. Some Euros are bringing more money. A 90s or 2000s car, they're starting to equal out. But if you take like a 2010 or newer, you import it because you say, well, I can buy it cheaper overseas and bring it over. You federalize it. Not only does the cost of federalization and the pain of that process take any fun out of it, because you're probably talking six months, 
you're talking risk. I mean, just go watch You've Rain Man. Yeah. Um, I haven't done it. I haven't federalized any cars. I've only brought in well, ones that were exempt over the yeah. 25. I'm talking about 10 years or less. Yeah, I don't, I, that doesn't even cross my like mind right. because technically they're you can get them on show and display and whatever else, but they're not really they don't hit the 25 year exemption mark. Well, the reason I'm talking about the 10 year or less is a lot of people ask me about this because people come to me and they'll say, well, I can buy a GT3 RS overseas. They're only going for 150 K in Europe. They're going for 250 here. Why wouldn't I just buy all the ones in Europe and bring them over? And so I have to explain the federalization process and say, this is a real pain. Like it might just get held up by customs and you might never get it cleared. You might never get the car. But you have to put in door bars. You have to do new bumpers. You got to change out the gauge cluster. You may have to change out the exhaust. Then you have to go get it inspected and cleared by the EPA. There's a ton of bureaucratic red tape. And then you finally get all that done and you go to sell it and people go, oh, it's a gray market car. I'm not paying what I would pay for a U.S. car. You're right. You're right. I I was just going off the 25-year thing. Sure. Because I don't even register to try to pick up a gray market 2012 something. A lot yeah. of people do, though. Because they, they just better. look at the... Right. Yeah. Right. So... Well, remember that green... There was a green RS that we found. It was sitting in New Jersey. It had a club sport package. So we're like, ooh, that's interesting. It was orange. I'm sorry. It was orange. Orange, yeah. Club sport. Yep. Yeah. And we're like, well, that's a deal. So we tried to figure out if it had federalization paperwork because we're like, let's just get that thing here and, you know, one of us will just keep it. Mm-hmm. And you found out that it shouldn't be here. Right. The you guy know. accidentally got it yeah. titled and registered. Right. So, but so he it, couldn't but, sell but it. But if they gave that to, if I bought that off him, changed hands, brought that title, I might get lucky and it might slip through because there is a title in hand. Right. But if the feds find that and don't like it, they can come seize the car. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. You're not dealing with a state. You can, you can probably get it titled and plated. Mm-hmm. But if you get in an accident or anybody in the federal government or the EPA, which is not an organization you want to mess with, Mm -mm. they throw people in jail for, yeah, less stuff than that. What, are you too good for your headphones? What? I'm I'm hot. I didn't know your ears sweat. Yeah, I'm a hothead, okay? (laughs) Put them back on when somebody calls. All the exhaust pressure coming on those ears? Anyway, yes, yes, (laughs) all that. Um... Yeah, but no, the feds will come after you. And it was the same thing that happened with the um, all the Nissan R34 GTRs mm-hmm. that were imported Motorex. through Florida. Not Well, some of the Motorex cars were imported legitimately, not all of them. Sort of, but they just the EPA never, they said those are good. Right, but a lot of people brought them in through Florida because Florida was super lax on titles there. And uh-huh. Florida recalled a bunch of titles recently on not, gtrs but other cars that were imported through florida and basically just said like if you have these cars the title's no longer valid if they had sold to a different state then Mm -hmm. they might still be valid but i mean you can't transfer them again it's a gamble gamble. well you know insurance company might drop you but i I know of a person i know of a person that he got an r33 probably like 15 years ago and he got it from Canada, brought it over, snuck it through, never titled it, never did anything. Just owned the car, just threw its dealer tag on it and drove it around. We, you know, it was a SEMA show car. It was all over the place. Beautiful car. Well, one day his shop got robbed and he decided to steal that car. 
Mm. Well, I mean, there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. It's an invisible car that he shouldn't have owned. So that was a really dark day in his life. That's for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the risk you take with trying to get stuff you that the government says you shouldn't have. Well, and that's, to go back to the original question, that's why newer federalized gray market cars have a um, a discount attached to them. Correct. Is because, again, it's it's what people don't know. There's a lot of people that don't know what a gray market car is. Maybe they've seen Rain Man and that's their only reference. But they, they, they hear these stories about cars getting repoed. And so in the back of their mind, there's always this implied risk of, oh, well, is it, is it really legal? Are the feds going to come for me? And so there's a lot of people that won't touch gray market cars because of that. Not because sure. of what it is, yeah, but, but back, because what it could I'm, be or I'm what they don't know. Back when people used to like, let's go back to probably 10 years ago when there's a bunch of gray market 80s 911s over here that were all legal mm-hmm. or you know 911 sc that was legal but it you know it had the corner markers it had the rear fog it had different emissions control but they were allowed to be here those were actually a discount mm-hmm. like nobody even though they were a little bit quicker um nobody wanted a gray market car now having a euro car is cool right it's like right hand drive that's still not cool. No, no, hold on. Let me finish my point. It's not. It's a, it's a mail truck. Yeah. But <laughs> trash truck too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like you know, it's back in the day when there was nothing here right hand drive that was worth importing, and somebody brought over right hand drive Civic and showed up at a car show. People lost oh, their mind. Yeah, sure. You know now there's plenty of cars here, and there's no reason to own a right hand. I mean, you need to go backwards through your drive through to get your smoothie. You know. <laughs> I would do that. Yeah, you would. Um, do a J-turn out of there, too. I learned something interesting in shopping for a car overseas that I'm not going to discuss publicly. Um, so Euro cars have a premium attached to them, usually, because of you know freer-flowing exhausts, more horsepower, whatever. Apparently, cars built for the Swiss market have and I never knew this because I'm not actively shopping for cars over there, but the European buyers don't want to touch a Swiss spec car with a 10-foot pole because they have super strict emissions and their cars are detuned. So it's like a California car here. But I'll bet you their clocks work. <laughs> Good timing on that joke. <laughs> ah. where's, your, where's your boom? You just start a band with your jokes. So quick quick question on that. When you're, when you're importing cars, what we're talking about here... It's it's a it's a standardized cost to ship a car. What does it cost right now to ship a car from Europe? Well, you air freight um, if you're smart. Yeah, boat or plane. Either way. So so this going back to his question, is it worth buying it and selling it? So what's the cost of transportation? So if you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar car, sure, it's five grand. That's five percent. Sure. Um, if it, to air freight it from Europe, it's about twenty five grand, okay. and that's you know within two weeks. Um, to put it on in a container, it used to be before COVID, it was like four to five grand. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably double that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wait times are insane. Plus you have the risk of, you know, you, you hear these stories about boats just, you know, parked outside, sure. anchored outside a port, uh, because they don't have workers at the port. 
Um, you know, there's hundreds of boats. And you have to insure outside the Long Beach port. You have to un- insure it separately because that shipment is not insured um, uh, under standard. Um, you know, when you book it, I found that one. Found out that once when my car was halfway across the ocean that it wasn't insured. Um, plus, you have a two and a half percent duty. Plus, you have For all the duty. you know the random import fees so you you've got to factor all that in plus the time value of money and the risk of okay here's what the market is today Mm. but in three to four months when i have this car here and ready to go is it still going to be worth that what's the market going to do so you've got to build in a pretty significant margin don't do it unless you want it yeah yeah the the only cars i've imported from overseas myself were cars that were for myself Mm mm-hmm and the last one I put on a plane because I didn't want to deal with the risk of, you know, all the risks I just mentioned, especially during these times. Plus, it's really cool when you see it get off the plane. It's just cool to say I air freighted a car from Europe. <laughs> I'm not going to lie there. Totally bullying. <laughs> More questions? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so I'm going to do a two-fold question. It kind of uh, falls in line with what we're talking about. So first, Andrew's question, and let me get the second one in, too. Andrew is, how can I get into into the flipping cars? I'm interested in flipping certain ones like older BMWs, E90s, E80s, or fourth and fifth generation Mustangs. But I want to tie this other gentleman's, that's uh, the Deeds 69s. Do you think the car market is softening in the fa- past few weeks? A lot of stuff that I've been looking at is trending down. So that's... I think those two questions go together well if I'm going to flip cars, but the car market's softening. Sure. Uh, To answer the two together, if you can make money in a down market, you can make money in any market. Uh, The converse statement to that is everyone's an expert when the market's, you know, in a, a, a bull market, right? So when the market's going up, anybody can make money and everybody thinks they're an expert. So now is actually a great time to get into it. Uh, because you'll find out if you really know what you're doing. Right. It's not as simple as it was last year. Yeah. Um, I won't say simple. How do you get into yeah. it? I don't know. Sabo, answer that one for me. How do you get this into is it? literally the most common question I get asked is how, right. do, how do you get into this business? I mean, it, it depends on your volume, of course. I mean, if if you want to get into flipping cars, I mean... I mean Order a new Z06. Yeah, just you know, get a dealer's license, build a business clientele and do it the right way like if you want to have a your back 40 full of beat cars that you're going to just fix and throw on your front lawn with a for sale sign you know careful because you know buying the cars one thing prepping the cars another marketing the cars a third and then finding a obviously finding the right client and closing the deal is something else it's not it's you know good cars find buyers but sometimes if you're buying a bunch of cars, you got to be careful what you're purchasing. Yeah. I, I like that you're yeah. thinking already to the, the guy asking the question, the person, I'm sorry, I shouldn't assume gender here. Uh, the person asking the question that you're already thinking about a niche, you're looking at what you want to specialize in. That's what I typically tell everybody that wants to get into the business is don't just say I want to make money in cars or I want to be in the car business, find something and become an expert at it. 
Um, the other thing I'd say is go do it once or twice yeah, and bingo. see if it works. Go like buy pay go sales buy, tax. Yeah. Who cares yeah. if you can make money, you know, and pay sales tax, you know, typically you should be able to make about 10% on a car, maybe 15% if you're really good at it. Sales tax is like five to 7%. So you want, the margin you want, will be yeah. skinnier, but if you Doug's can right. still make money with paying sales tax and you can do that twice or even say like, okay, you miss once. If you can get two out of three, then maybe you have a knack for it. Or just, but you got to go yeah. try it first. But just, if, just, just go buy a car and try not to lose money. Yeah. I mean, just try to drive a car for free for a year. If you succeed, you know, maybe you should try again. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're gonna like quit your job and try to do this, that's a whole other story. But if you want to do it as a, you know, backyard hobby, that's something else. Yeah. There's no magic supply of cars at way below market value for dealers. So if you can't do it on your own as a person just finding cars on the open market, you won't be able to do it as a dealer, right? So if you lose money on your first five cars and think, oh, well, I'll get a dealer license. I can buy cars at wholesale. Nah, you either make money on cars or you don't, mm -hmm. right? So I have a comment, but it's not, it's not completely related to that comment. But I mean, who cares? People, <laughs> people uh, really quickly forget what the world was like three years ago. You know, three years ago, you know, you bought a car off a dealer showroom, you drove it home, you lost twenty percent, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you want, if you didn't like it, you traded it in, you took it right on the chin. You know, now you go buy a car off a dealership lot, and you pay close to window sticker, and you want out of it, you're going, you're obviously going to lose your sales tax, but you might not lose much more. But through this is all new territory, and people are getting really used to not losing money. You know, how many people do you know are buying? TRXs, you know, they're buying a TRX the second they take delivery it, they order another TRX. When that TRX comes in, they sell the one they have for ten grand over, or whatever that number may be, and try to do the same thing with the next one. Eventually, that gravy train runs dry, but good for you while while it works. I mean, I wouldn't fault anybody for doing it if the dealership lets you do it, and you're making a little bit of money. Putting miles on cars for free. Putting miles on cars for free is a bonus itself. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, That's what every car guy wants to right. do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So back to Dedede's question. I know I put kind of three of them together. Let's just stick with this part of it. Do you think the car market is softening? Let's not talk about the hypercars, yes. the TRXs. Is the car market softening? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's There's no major crash. Um, I, I mean, we've both been calling out a softening for a while. Like, this isn't sustainable. There will be some softening. The hype has to wear off. The supply and demand will normalize. Well, the supply hasn't eased up. The numbers still say, I mean, I tried to order a customer a new Porsche 911 the other day. A base one is a year and a half out. Mm -hmm. So that's going to prop up the used car market for a long time because if you can't buy a new one, you'll buy a used one. Um, there's, because of the COVID shutdowns uh, of factories, there's, I saw somebody quoted, there was eight and a half million new cars that just weren't produced and weren't put into the circulation. So those cars will never come off lease. They'll never be used cars. Like there's numbers like that that impact and, and will kind of hold the floor up against some massive crash um, and there's a lot more statistics like that. 
Um, but absolutely, it's softening. People are... Well, the economist said that a pandemic will put everything back five years. Mm-hmm. They're, they're probably right on schedule. Right, because I mean, 15, everything was super hot. Right. And then it cooled off 17 to 18. Well, then, then you obviously have the, you know, the issues in the Ukraine. And you pull a door off a new Porsche, you know, from last year, there's made in Ukraine all over it. You know, wiring harnesses and whatnot. So, I mean, not only do you have a supply chain issue, but now you have a real issue. Mm-hmm. You know, that obviously goes way deeper than the your door of your car. Yeah. Yeah, so softening, we're seeing that. We're seeing values compress a little bit. Um, nothing drastic. No. Because, you know, it's the numbers are the numbers. They're still not producing cars in the numbers they need to. And uh, the demand is cooling off a little bit, but people still have money and they're still spending it. Yeah, there's a, there's a debate going right now. Well, not debate. It's kind of speculation, I guess. But there's so many 22 cars that aren't delivered because they don't have chips in them yet. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting in holding lots. But that's been a debate for two no, years. No, 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 hold on. No, no, you're missing my... Okay. You didn't let me finish, but... That's what I do. I know. But when they get a chip knock, in Knock, knock. <laughs> when they get a chip... Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. <laughs> Interrupting cow. Moo! All right. Okay, it's funny. <laughs> but but when that, when that, if that car gets a chip in it and it comes to the dealership in 2023, is it still a 22? By VIN number it is. But, you know, see what happens. Check your tires. Make sure they're not dry rotted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll have to go back to um, like 1930s cars where the um, the year of the car was based on shoot now I can't remember because they build the chassis and then they you would go to a coach builder so the mm-hmm. year of the car was based on one or the other when they built the chassis or when they put the put the body on it was that Okay, whatever. He thinks it was a chassis, but he might be wrong. Um, Don't yeah, think so too hard. Is it the year they built the car or the year they built the, put the chip in it? It doesn't really matter. Nope. No. Nope. But that's going to affect stuff too because once the chips finally become available, there's going to be a backlog of supply that's going to come onto the market. Now, we thought that was going to happen a year ago because back in 2020 we were talking about this. Ford had fields full of trucks that weren't ready for delivery. And, oh, man, they're all going to come on the market all at once, and it's going to crash the market. It hasn't happen. happened. Well, people are so, like, amped up for a new car that once a dealer gets something, all a salesman has to do is make a phone call, and you got five people fighting over who's going to take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a wonderful problem for these dealerships to a certain degree. I mean, 21, these guys, most dealerships posted record numbers and they had no inventory. Yeah. I mean, you have a good year and you're not sitting on aging inventory or great year. I mean, that's awesome. Yep. To expand on the question too. So the car market is softening, but it's it's different from segment to segment. So the JD Power whoever puts out the numbers um, looked at and this doesn't include specialty cars, but it was talking about different categories of vehicles, trucks, 
uh, sedans, luxury cars, uh, subcompact, et cetera, et cetera. And the subcompact cars are actually dead even in terms of sales numbers. Trucks and big SUVs are way off. So those are softening big time. Um, so it, it depends on the segment of the market you're talking about. And even in the specialty car world, the blue chip stuff, like the half a million stuff and above, if you look at, I mean, essentially, if you look at bring a trailer, because they're kind of the go-to market gauge right now, the the blue chip stuff is still going for crazy money. It's like nothing yeah. happened in the market. Now, we're seeing some softening like Carrera GTs. Boom. Those went from a million bucks pre-COVID, not even, 750 pre-COVID, 2 million for a good example, some above that. There's cars out there that can be had now. There's there's more sellers than there are buyers. I mean, they're still above well, they, one and a half million. Yeah, so they, all, they also you know, made you think a million one is a deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Monterey is going to be, Ooh, people always cars, think, man. Monterey is going to be like the market setter for the year. And more often than not, it tells people nothing. It just, it, it continues what the market is, but there's a lot of those blue chip one to $5 million cars that are going to sell there. There's a lot of F fifties, F forties, career GTs, really, really interesting stuff. And I think that, and some really, really high estimates, four and a half to $5 million for an F 50. That's a, for a, Red F50, that's huge money. That would indicate that the market's still going through the roof. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens at Monterey this year as an indication of what's happening in that particular segment. Um, but, yeah, it really just depends. Yes, the market's softening, but not everywhere. I mean, you get a, like a, you know, name your, like a Tabo Lago or something like that. And say it's an eight million dollar car, and it hits a twenty percent reduction. It's a lot of money. You get a twenty five thousand dollar car, it gets twenty percent reduction. It's not that. Yeah, it's not that crazy. Well, in Talbot Lago, again, you can't use. You can't get what you, you. Yeah, you're not gonna find one. There's uh, one going across the block at Monterey. That's why I brought it up. Right, but those have their own market issues because their buyer pool is pushing up daisies. Not to be insensitive, but that's that's been a discussion on those era cars. I disagree cars. on that, but no. But those yeah. era cars, that's been a discussion for the last 10 or 15 years, and it's starting to affect them. So uh, based on what a Talbot Lago sells for, that doesn't necessarily determine the overall market conditions. Again, you got to take each segment for what it is. Right. I mean, they're talking about like a Model T. Yeah, I mean, you can't even drive it down the street and go the speed limit. I mean, it's going to be really hard to... I mean, that's going to be... Two to ten grand forever. You could go to the speed limit in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. There, there's a nice segue for you. You're welcome. This is an amazing segue. Yeah. So the mayor of Salt Lake City, Miss Miss Mendenhall, Mrs. I don't know. I had to check the first name before I bashed this because I actually I sold a Porsche to somebody with the last name of Mendenhall like a decade and a half ago in Salt Lake City. So I wanted to make sure it wasn't them. But the mayor of Salt Lake City uh, was all in the news this week because she, uh, the city council changed, voted unanimously to change f 
I think 575 different 25 mile an hour speed limit zones to 20 miles an hour. This comprises 70% of Salt Lake City is now 20 miles an hour. And she's got this big, you know, press thing. She was in COVID quarantine. She came out of quarantine to to do this, to hang this sign. and She's still in uh, quarantine? No, she came out of quarantine to do this. She was recently in quarantine? Yes. She had COVID the week before, came out of quarantine, was still wearing a mask for all the photo ops. It 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 was a wonderful virtue signaling event, hanging this 20 mile an hour speed limit sign and talking about how it's it's all about safety we're sending a message to salt lake city that uh, we care about our children we want our quote unquote we want our neighbors to make it home from work without incident but signage alone will not make our streets safer it will take each driver in our city being committed to slowing down staying alert and never driving under the influence i don't know what speed limits have to do with driving under the influence but <sighs> the other day i was the other day i was driving home and like i i'm telling you i was doing 25 miles an hour down my street because it's 25 mile an hour zone there's kids everywhere so respect some lady comes running out of her driveway yelling at me slow down slow down did you stop of course i did your car's red, though. It is. So it's yeah. faster. It is. Yeah. It look, it, I look like going Did you have miles it in hour second hour. gear. No, <laughs> no, no. But she comes running out, pointing her finger at me. She's like, You got to slow down. So I stopped and I just was like, Ma'am, what's the speed limit? She's like, You don't know? I was like, Apparently you don't. Because I was doing 25, maybe 24, maybe 26, depending on where, you know, if it's uphill or downhill or whatever. And she's like, You were going way faster than that. I go, do you got a radar gun in your purse there? And she just she just got, you know, pouted off and went home. Did you really say that? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm a pretty calm guy, but I see red every now and then. But <laughs> I mean I mean if I no pun intended again, it was a red car. But but like it's one thing if I was speeding and somebody said something to me, I sure. would absolutely respect them and probably apologize if there's children playing in the street. But if I'm obeying the speed limit and we all know how hard it is to actually drive 25 miles an hour in certain cars. That, And I'm doing a conscious effort to obey the law. And I'm still going to get yelled at because I'm driving a pretty car. Nah, I got I to gotta, you know, back that up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, you know my thoughts and everybody knows my thoughts about speeding. However, however. What are your thoughts, Doug? Speed limits are dumb. Okay, however, that's, that's however, saying. I am... <sighs> For being the cannonballer who breaks speed limits across the countries, I'm also the cranky person, or I've become the cranky person who lives in a residential neighborhood, and I have called the cops, no lie, at least half a dozen times, and I bought a radar gun to slow people down on my street. You've had a radar gun. No, I bought a radar gun. It was it was actually more to prove a point to my wife because I told her that the people going down our street were going 60 to 70 miles an hour, Whoa. and she didn't believe me. Whoa. And so I bought it to prove her right. I mean, sorry, prove to prove her wrong. Um, yeah, that was the right thing to say in a marriage, though. By the way, yeah, no, I get it. Ah, Freudian slip there. No, but seriously, I'm like, th- there is speeding is about context, right? So it's one thing to drive 100 plus miles an hour on a highway that's made to go those speeds, 
where there's no children wandering across. It's another thing in a residential neighborhood. Like I drive the speed limits in residential neighborhoods because I'm like, this is not this. It's not the place to speed. No, it's stupid. And so when guys go down our street at 60, 70 miles an hour, I'm like, this is asinine. I'm like, why? Go do it somewhere else, anywhere else. Um, but all that to say this, this 20 mile an hour thing is dumb because it's, it's proven and departments acknowledge this, that speed limits are set based on drivers rather than vice versa. Speed limits do not change drivers behaviors speed limits are designed they actually so that they they call it the 8515 rule most departments use the 8515 rule to set speed limits so what they do is they go out and they measure the speed that people are going and the it, it's a it's an 85th percentile they want 85 percent of people to obey the speed limit and they figure that 15 percent won't so they're trying to basically set the speed limit to whatever 85% of people are already doing. So this isn't based on a study. This is just them thinking like, oh, we're going to set the speed limit and slow people down. But it's proven that people drive what they deem safe for their surroundings. And like an, an example of that for me is there's this road out in Medina that the speed limit's 50 miles an hour. And there's no shoulder and it's kind of residential, and there's just like blind hills. It's all these rises. I can't go 50 there. I drive on the track. Like, I'm a professionally trained driver. I go 45 there because I'm scared to go 50. Like, the speed limit there is stupid, but I'm not going to go 20 miles an hour in a res residential place. Like, that's just... If you have a big development, that could ruin your day. Yeah. It might take you like a half hour to get home. Those, like, those... Those, uh... Those giant communities in Florida that have like, you know, 50,000 houses. Can you imagine if you have to like, if you get passed by golf carts? Yeah. The, you could, you get passed by Hussein Bolt on foot. <laughs> Tyreek Hill went 23 mile an hour. There you go. Yeah. Questions? Do you I, want questions? Yeah, go for it. All yeah. right. All right. So, Bring what it. do you want? We have we have a gamut. Oh, one one more thing before the question. Okay, okay. So, this is not the case in Salt Lake City, but it it ties in well. So, they are changing the speed limit, saying that they're doing it for safety in Salt Lake City. Right. Recently, so it was 2018ish, Los Angeles reevaluated their speed limits citywide and changed the speed limit. Gosh darn it, I can't remember how many speed but, you know, similar type thing. Hundreds of different speed limits, they changed. Some of them they reduced. Some of they, them they increased. But somebody found out that within the city of L.A., there's an ordinance that says that they cannot enforce speed limits unless they have had a traffic speed survey that was conducted by the Los Angeles DOT within the past seven years. So if the speed survey expires... Los Angeles police can no longer enforce the speed limit. So the only reason they lowered or raised the speed limits in all these places is because they knew legally they couldn't write tickets anymore. I don't know if this is a case in Salt Lake City. It would be really interesting if that was the case. But L.A. made this big you know, deal about how it was for safety. And they got called out because they said, no, it's just because you can't enforce the speed limit on those streets anymore. So you have to change the speed limit 
so that you can enforce it. All right, question. Okay, so we have a few different categories. What do you want? You want a 996 versus 997? Let's do a commercial first, and then we'll come back to questions. Got to keep our sponsors happy because they keep us here. I'll take Porsche over 500, Alex. Yeah. (laughs) Alex is dead, man. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. If you're looking for a gift for somebody you like or for garage art for your own place, check out CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST for a 25.39% discount at checkout. Again, go to CelebrityMachines.com and use discount code SWITCHCAST. Back to questions. Fire away, Dave. All right. So uh, I'm going to give you four categories. Pick one. Or two, whatever you like. <laughs> so, cannonball question, 911-996 versus 997. Electric cars, because you kind of started off on that. Or uh, Ohio Police. I'll take Ohio Police for 400 For 400 Actually, I'm it's a $500 question, so it's going to cost you more. This is from Dan Butler. Uh, Doug, coincidentally, I'm driving through Ohio right now. Riding shotgun, not driving. That's why say, he's get texting. Get off your phone. <laughs> Touche, because this did come in live. I've noticed that the OSHP, anyone know what that is? Ohio State Highway Patrol. Yes, sir. Is sitting on every side of the road, never seem to be running radar or laser. Is this common? That's the first part of the question. I have noticed that in the past few times driving through the Buckeye State using a United R7. Uniden. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Thumb and core. Are they using instant on radar? Are they actually not paying attention? Netflix is real. All of the above. Um, uh, (laughs) Ohio Highway Patrol is looking for drug traffickers quite a bit. Uh, That's a lot of their job, which I appreciate because enforcing speeding is stupid. Um, They are using instant on. Rarely, if ever, will you see a highway patrol trooper running with constant on. Um, They do use KA band, but they're very, very well trained. They have um, the radar gun on the outside of the car mounted above the roof line so they can trigger it and shoot essentially like over the median. Um, But yeah, they use laser or instant on but a lot of times they're not enforcing speed they're just looking for suspicious stuff okay they they pull over cars with out-of-state plates all the time because they for the exact reasons doug's just said yep okay another question yeah especially michigan plates yes yeah it's true (laughs) seriously it's dead true what it is yeah Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say that it's. I live down south, and when you come up, you you put on the ways. It's just blue, blue, blue coming mm-hmm. up through Ohio. It's, yeah, seventy one's the gauntlet. It's completely. But they're all marked cars, and that's a good it makes thing. it easy. Thankfully, so we'll keep on that, I guess, with the marked cars by saying, if you could cannonball with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? 
Well, if I wanted to be a slow one, I'd go with Sabo. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get there. I get there after 18 bathroom stops. Hey, man. Dude's got to pee. Dude's got to pee. Yeah, that's a good question. I read that before and thought about it, and I'm still not sure I know the answer. You'd be um, Mark Spence. He'd be a runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, just say the truth. Mark Spence. Um, yeah, I've had the fortune of running with some awesome guys, including Arnie and Dave Black and man and donadell and you know berkeley and matt like it's been a fantastic experience um the i think the obvious answer is Irwin cannonball baker boom yeah but but horse-drawn carriage you know because he did 143 different endurance records but at the same time i've been researching really really early cannonball records and learning about some of the other guys that nobody has ever heard of and what they did. Um, so I don't know that answer. I'll get back to you in like a month after I finish my research project. All right. I'm just, I have to do this. This is not relevant, but I have to say it one more time. Mark Spence, because he said, didn't say his name five times. Now my obligation <laughs> is over. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, charge you a dollar for each time you say this name. If I'd known I'm that. I'm done now. All right, fine. Next, go for it. Okay, we're gonna go back to where we started, which is with the EV. Mm-hmm. Kind of started there. All right. This is from the. See, I messed up unit in, so I'm not even gonna go with this uh, name here. The. We'll just go with this question. <laughs> I'm heavily bored, and oh, I'm heavily bored over the bashing of ice. I've gotten the last. I've gotten the last decade. Our government, I don't. That doesn't know shit about what they're talking about. I am French. We never saw the Tesla getting shipped by an electric truck. This is all the prelude to the question. Sure. Here. Yeah. Pushing against individual Long transportation. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Christian exactly. song. Exactly. <laughs> the pushing against the individual transportation is getting more and more incoherent. Electric cars won't solve the problem since there's a thing called energy density. However, electric cars can be cool, instant torque, possibly the weight to weight, possibly the place to weight or whatever, tech torque vectoring. Do you think that all of the renewable fuels, HVO, hydrogen, E85, will be the leaders in the next decades over EV, or are we shifting towards an all-electric future? We are shifting towards an all-electric future because that's what the government wants. There's so much subsidies, so many subsidies going towards EVs. There's so there's so many powerful people and groups uh, that that want that to be the future, regardless of whether or not it's the best technology, that that's where we're going to be. Like I, I think the momentum is there. I, I don't think there's an alternative at this point. As, you know, Dave, we, we discussed earlier, I'm not like against EVs. Like, I think there's a place for them. But in, you know, for our French friend, there is a lot of bullshit involved. And I mean, you know, it's, 
the guy that drives an EV because he likes the silent experience, he likes the instant torque, but he doesn't go to a car show and brag about it. Fine, good for you. Enjoy yourself. I mean, buy what you want. It's a beautiful thing of our country. You can make choices. But don't preach to me that you're saving the world by driving a giant battery. I mean, explain to me how an 8,000-pound Hummer EV is ecological. I mean, no way. You can't sell me on that. Or for two hundred grand, how it's economical. Right. right? Either That's, way. Right. Make make I an mean, EV for fifteen thousand bucks. Yeah, I, I, I watched and, a little we'll talk. Right. I watched a little bit of grid life, you know, down at Mid Ohio just because I like Mid Ohio and I think that's entertaining. And there was there was a gentleman in a model three that was I mean, it had stock interior in it. This dude was just tearing it up. I, mean, I guarantee, I hope he had some mobile charging available because he's not getting home after a couple <laughs> laps. But, I mean, it was impressive. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's not going to be in my garage in the future, but, you know, whatever. Teach their own. Well, uh, Mid-Ohio doesn't have adequate bathrooms. They're not going to have a charging. They don't have a yeah. charging station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, got, yeah. you got 110, you get your eight <laughs> miles in three hours and you get, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to charge it with his F-150 Lightning and his yeah. F-150 Lightning won't get home. <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, we don't have time to get into it. EVs was going to be one of our topics tonight and uh, not EVs in particular because that topic has been beaten to death and will be continued to be a, an ongoing debate. Um, but specifically the, um, I guess the concept of whether or not buying a new EV is more efficient or better for the environment than keeping your old Internal combustion That's car. That's a huge wormhole. It's of, an awesome wormhole. You, right, but I mean, it's huge. I mean, the, he mentioned all these alternative fuels, but he did not mention natural gas, which is also something that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. It burns super clean. Super and, efficient. Yeah. And it's, you can convert an existing internal combustion engine right. to run on natural gas yeah. very easily. Why can you burn a, your oven, a gas oven in your house and not have a vent system? Because it burnt, like blue flame is clean. But I've seen more old diesels running oil from the local Japanese mm-hmm. restaurant than you've sure. seen natural gas. Sure. You've seen natural gas in public yeah. transportation. Talking about that, a well, renewable resource. Is a tough, it's a tough conversion exactly. on a car for yeah. sure. But I'm just saying in the future that might be something that comes up. But people don't want to talk about it. No. Yeah, there's an agenda behind EVs for sure. And we will go down that wormhole, I promise. I didn't well, mean I'm, to uh, clickbait yeah. anyone, but that is yeah. that is something we're going to talk about, but we are running short on time. So um, if we have more questions, we'll go to that. If not, we'll move to the props and flops. Well, let's just go back to something more generic because okay. all the questions that I've been asking have been pretty broad. So let's just get straightforward here. This is from Lucas Beerman. Uh what are some good beer big, man? Beer man. What are some good big body sedans with big engines that are undervalued right now? Asking as a BACS broke ass college student. E55. You didn't know that acronym, did you? I didn't. No. Uh, me neither. I had to read the um, E55. Yeah, there you go. Good question. Yeah, it's good. Great question. Yeah. I don't Mercury like Marauder. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I feel like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. Mercury Marauder. That is a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a good Chevrolet answer. Caprice 9C1 with the police package. There you go. It's right? an Impala SS without the cult following. Because everyone hits the brakes. They're like, oh, shit. 
Well, not yeah. anymore. <laughs> too. Yeah. But they're dead nuts reliable. They got what's what's the movie quote? Cop shocks, cop motor, cop suspension. <laughs> like they uh-huh. legit do. Yeah. LT1 motor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great car for a broke ass college student. I had a Crown Vic X Police Interceptor as a broke ass college student. It was the most fun ever. So, yeah, go get one of those. Good one. Any other? Practice others? sliding around. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I can go all day, but no, we're good. Okay. Yeah. That's it. All right. Oh. Awesome. Well, it is time then for the props and flops of the week. The props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, and service only cars that we like ourselves, but we'll store anything as long as the check clears. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory is... 2019 Lamborghini Huracan just arrived with 13,000 miles, black on black, Service records, original paint, original tires. It's not actually a selling point, but they'll be new soon. Uh, yeah, so if you mention discount code SWITCHCAST, you'll get a whopping $1,000 off our yet-to-be-determined asking price on that 2019 Lamborghini Huracan. Anti-ADM. Yeah, no, no additional dealer markup on that one. Although it kind of is because we're actually asking more than it sold for three years ago. That tells you how whack the market is. Um, flop of the week. I'm going to do the flop of the week. Sabo's going to do the prop of the week because I'm Captain Negative. He's Captain Positive. I'm going to try to make technology work for me and actually do an audio flop of the week here from Instagram. I don't know if that's violating any copyright rules or something, but here we go. Let's see if this can can go. Nope. Muted. Hold on. <laughs> Stand by. Oh, it worked earlier. Oh, no, I don't have my headphones on, so I don't even know if it's working. We're going to try this again. Just Sorry, explain guys. it. Nope. I'm going to play it. It's better. For three and a half million dollars. Yeah, because if I had the money... I'd buy it because it keeps on going up in price because it's such a rare car. This car, brand new, was like 1.4, 1.5 million dollar. Today, this thing worth over three and a half million dollar. And this car is gonna get more and more rare as it goes on because in the future, this thing is gonna be worth even way more than three and a half million dollar. Which- <laughs> everything I hate about car people in this car market. The guy is saying, why should you buy this LaFerrari for three and a half million dollars? And he's training his son to say you should buy it because it's going to be worth more than three and a half million dollars. Has nothing to do with the awesome Kurs system that was developed from a Formula One car. Has nothing to do with the performance. Has nothing to do with how gorgeous the car is or the driving experience. He's saying, and his arguments are crap. It's going to get more and more rare as it goes on. No, it isn't. Yeah, production's over, dude. They can't have negative production, and everyone that gets wrecked is going to get rebuilt by Ferrari because they're worth so much. And he said it's going to get more and rare, more and more rare because it's going up in value. What? That doesn't happen. Anyway, it's sorry. It's just everything that's wrong with the car market is that people think you should buy a car because it's going to go up in value. It's crap. I don't know who that guy is. He has a lot of Instagram followers, but he's an idiot. Okay, prop of the week, Sabo. I mean, I'll give you an easy one. 
I mean, yeah, I just doesn't have to. Our be man, easy. Mr. Thoman's here. That is the ultimate prop of the week. Yeah, I appreciate that. Whoa. Hey, it's always good to see you, my man. Solid. Thanks. Absolutely. Small world story about Dave Thoman. Mm-hmm. So our dealership used to be over on Midway Drive, and his company was like four buildings down from ours on Midway Drive. Correct. Something like yeah, that. Yep. And now we're two. And then. I moved over to Highland Road, didn't think much more of it. We talk online most of the time. And then I'm down at at Bullion's house in Georgia and find out that Dave lives three houses away from Ed Bullion. Yep. And then he says, oh, yeah, our company moved over to Highland Road. I said, where? Figure out the address. You're three doors down from us on Highland Road. Yeah, three buildings down and two buildings away from Ed. Crazy. Small world. It is. Really, really small world. It is. Yeah. Even our little move in Twinsburg, we both I know. moved the exact same. I know. Two miles just to be three doors down from each other. We we're destined to be together for freaking ever. Three doors down? That's a band. Yeah, it yeah. is a band. Well, I yeah. know. <laughs> I know. It's a good band, too. Anyway, thank you. Whoa, music is loud. Okay. Sorry, everybody listening. Hope Ethan fixes that in post. Thank you, Dave, for reading the questions off. Thank you, Ethan, for producing this episode. Thank you, Sabo, for being back with me and for the banter. Uh, If you want to follow Johnny Sabo, it's hashtag Johnny Sabo. Not really. It's at Johnny Sabo on Instagram. Uh, Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switchcars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Holm Woodworking, and Nathan's Detailing. And our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud, or you can check them out live at the Crooked Ben, Big Ben, Collision Ben Brewery this Friday. Uh, This episode will also be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with a really, really special interview with Tim Cotton of the Bangor, Maine Police Department. If your grandmother or mom is on Facebook, you'll know who he is. If not, you need to go look up the Duck of Justice and see what I'm talking about and check out that episode. And we look forward, as usual, each week to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. Wait.